If you're a parent, teacher, or school leader, and you're sick and tired of the frustration, anger, and unfair treatment of children at high risk in our public schools, then perhaps it's time for all of us to do something about it. In this podcast, Dr. Amitra Berry brings you tips, tools, strategies, and tactics to build successful solutions while touching, moving, and inspiring all of us to transform our schools so that every child thrives. Here's your host, Dr. Berry. William Ellery Channing said, It is a greater work to educate a child in the true and larger sense of the word than to rule a state. Hey there, Equity Warriors. Glad we're here together again today. Thanks for joining. So, I have to say, as a teacher, my favorite thing to teach was U.S. history and American government. And maybe that's because I was a political science major. Um, I don't know if I've shared. I wanted to be a lawyer, but the universe had other plans for me. I was also an avid reader, and I was always a little obsessed with finding the answers to questions that popped into my head when I read. I was fortunate, though. I had the support at home to get books from a library or to buy my own. Man, I tell you, I used to love it when we would get those ads in the mail for a um, book of the month club. You know, well, some of you may remember, those of you who have a little more snow in the mountain may remember, you'd get these ads and say, get 10 books for $1 with no obligation to buy anything else ever again. (laughs) Do you know how many times I joined a different book of the month club? And I'm talking as a kid, not an adult. I'd mail in my dollar in an envelope. I'd select all the books I wanted. And then once they started coming, once I got those first 10 books or whatever, I would cancel. Again, for the record, I was between the ages of 5 and 14 at the time. Statute of limitations has expired. Yes, 5. My first book of the month club was Dr. Seuss. And I remember sitting on the porch on our house on Sutter Street. I was waiting for the mailman to come and take the postcard and my nickel. See, back then, if you didn't have a stamp, you could give the mail carrier cash and they would put a stamp on for you. Because at five years old, I was not allowed to walk to the post office. Um, if my mom is listening, uh, this might serve as a confession for behavior that I may have previously vehemently denied. Um, but I also think that the statute of limitations on the multiple butt whoopings I would have gotten for my clandestine book purchasing is long past. Besides, you got to catch me first. All right, confessions out of the way. In the days of the Book of the Month clubs of the 1960s and 1970s, you could get a lot for a little, but those things have gone the way of the dinosaur. We live in a nation now where the majority of our K-12 public school learners are children of color. And when it comes to the stories that are told to our children, particularly in our history classes, but also choices in literature in our ELA courses, mathematicians, scientists, the discoveries and processes that are highlighted and focused on in math and science, all of that stuff is still pale, male, and stale. Pale, male, and stale. Now, to be fair, 
I know that there are educational publishers that are creating anthologies that attempt to create better balance in ELA. Thank you. I know that there are publishers that are creating science materials that reflect more diverse contributions and exemplars that don't reflect a deficit view of people of color. Thank you. Yes, there is work being done to reduce or eliminate, eh, reduce, the pale, male, and stale perspective in commercial curricula, but they can only go so far. And they too are limited by the people that they employ and their own lived experience, their own knowledge that has been based in a pale, male, and stale perspective. I also know that their purpose is to sell instructional materials, and I'm not mad at them. I'm not mad at them. But here's where you can help them. But first, sorry, pale, male, and stale. Pale, white, Eurocentric. Okay, pale. Male, we're talking a cisgendered, male-centered perspective or development, authorship. And stale, stale is in old, like stale bread, no longer fresh, not new, not exciting, out of date, and uninteresting. Pale, male, and stale. And to build my case, I'm going to use the Common Core State Standards for ELA and Literacy. And for those of you who are checking my work, page 58, take a look at the sample texts that are listed that uh, illustrate the complexity, quality, and range of student reading for grades 6 through 12. This is where I'm going, grade 6, 12. Now, clearly, it's not a comprehensive list. These are exemplars, and I'm only using the ones from page 58. So before somebody accuses me of not looking at all the literature that was recommended, okay, um, that's where I am. Now, Again, they're exemplars, and let's face it, if you're an under-resourced school or department and you need a list of texts to teach from, if you're a new teacher and you've been thrown into a course with very little in the way of resources and you need to know where to go, this might be where you start. It's pretty easy to lean into something like this. It's been prepared for us. So grades six through eight for literature. Who are our authors there? We've got Louisa May Alcott, Mark Twain, Robert Frost, Susan Cooper, representing the pale. Only one author, yep, is Chinese-American, and one author, Taylor, an African-American, have stories that represent diverse cultures. There are no Latinos. There are no indigenous or Native American voices here. None pretty pale. As far as stale, these stories were written between 1869 and 1976, between 46 and 153 years ago. And it's not that they're not excellent pieces of literature. That's not what I'm saying. But how much more has been written since 1976 that exemplifies diverse perspectives and complexity of text. How much are we missing? And it's not much better on the informational text side. Four out of five are male. Three out of five are white. The youngest text is 60. And there are no indigenous, Asian, or Latino voices. I'm just saying. 
pretty pale, male, and stale. Take a look at grades 9 and 10. No women's voices. None. No Latino voices. No indigenous voices. If it weren't for King's letter from Birmingham Jail and Weasel's hope, despair, and memory, there'd be no diversity at all. And dating as far back as Macbeth, written in 1592, only three of 13 titles, only three of 13 of the titles are less than 69 years old. That is completely male and pretty flippin' pale and very stale. But wait, there's more. There's one more grade band, grade 11 through CCR, 14 exemplars there. We've got Keats, Bronte, Dickinson, Fitzgerald, Payne, Thoreau, Emerson, Chester, Chesterton, and Orwell. That's 64% pale. It's also 64% male. But finally, finally, we get one Chicano voice in Rudolfo Anaya and one East Indian voice in Jumpa Lahiri. But to be clear, in 38 exemplars, we only have one Latino, specifically Chicano, voice. And remember, Latino is not universal. There is tremendous diversity among the Latino peoples. We have one Asian, specifically Chinese, voice. And again, not all Asians are Chinese. There's tremendous cultural diversity among the Asian peoples. Both of those voices, the Latino voice and the Asian voice, are male. And again, the diversity of Latinos and Asians in America are great and not represented here. There are no, in 38 exemplars, no, zero, zilch, nothing, not one single indigenous voice. Not one voice of the people whose land was stolen and that our schools are sitting on. Their voice completely ignored. And while half the world is female, only 23% of the authorship in those exemplars are cisgendered females. <laughs> and of 38 exemplars, here's our stale, only one was written in the current century. Just one. Just one. Pale, male, and stale. Most of us can think back to what we were taught in our history classes and maybe immediately recall the, that, that very clearly it was a white Eurocentric perspective that was taught. And somebody's going to get it twisted and say that I'm talking about CRT. No, I'm not. Go back and listen to episode five on teaching hard history. There's plenty there to underscore the pale, male, and stale. So here, today, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Our content 
is created to support, to buttress a white Eurocentric perspective. Every attempt has been made to minimize or obscure historical context so that they can evade responsibility for more than 400 years of colonialism, genocide, and displacement of people of color. A Manhattan Institute study that was recently released said that to to claim that Europeans' earliest colonial sediments in the Americas was anything other than a campaign of conquest rooted in policies and actions that dehumanized indigenous peoples and legitimized violence against them from the very beginning is nothing more than revisionism and denialism. And that denialism, that minimalism continues to be carried out in very innocent and innocuous ways, such as giving millions of marginalized people no voice in the exemplars listed for text complexity for by promoting a, a pale male and stale perspective ever so delicately, as in the disproportionality and representation just in those 38 exemplars, plus the elementary ones, the the K-6 ones that I didn't even touch, or K-5. Now, yes, I know. Again, I know. I can go into Appendix B and I can get a much more comprehensive list, and here's where I invite you to do some homework. And then let me know what you find, because I am more than happy to come back to this topic Send me a letter. Let me know what you've got. The pressing issue, the issue that is most immediately and easily remedied, is to examine the materials that are in our schools, what's in our classrooms, and what approaches are we taking in our classrooms right now. If you're a parent and you have school-aged children, look at the instructional materials they have. Look at their books. And go beyond the pictures. Pale, male, and stale, a lot of times, is written in the text, the words. The pictures that you see are there to help materials pass what is called in educational publishing a flip test. And that's when teachers on adoption committees are flipping through materials. They're looking at five, six, seven, eight, ten different publishers' books. They're not reading all the content. They're flipping through the pages to get a sense of whether or not it's something that they think they would like to teach from. Read the words. Take a look at the worksheets your children are bringing home. If your child's in high school, ask for a copy of the course syllabus, all of their courses, syllabi. Check out the reading list. And if you're not familiar with the literature that they're supposed to read, go online. Use your favorite search engine, type in the author's name, Find out who they are. If you're an educator, you know what to do. You can do it on your own, or you can get a small band of equity warriors together to do the work. Conduct an equity audit of your curriculum and your course frameworks. And if you don't know where to begin, contact me. Contact me. I'll get you started. If you're a school board trustee, talk with your superintendent. Find out. If an equity audit of your curriculum and instructional materials has been conducted or is even planned, 
And if it has been planned or it has been conducted, what did they find out? What actions have been taken? If it hasn't, why not? And when are you going to get started? Superintendents, all of the above for you. And for those of you, my friends in the educational publishing business, start having conversations with the people in your school districts. Conduct focus groups centered on decentering whiteness in the materials that you develop and produce. And I know some of you are already engaged in that work. I know some of you have people like me that are looking at your content before you produce it. And I know you have to produce what will sell. But you might be missing a movement if you're not addressing the issue head on and early. Kudos to those of you in the ed publishing world who are moving forward in that work. I'm not mentioning any names, but I know, you know, I know who you are. And then continue to join me every week. Send me your questions, topics, and requests to AskDrBerry.com, and I'll answer those questions and look forward to bringing you experts to help address those topics. As always, don't worry about the things you cannot change. Change That's the things it for today's you can episode no longer accept. The 3E podcast. I'll see you next time. Head over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in a grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value private VIP day with Dr. Barry herself. Be sure to head over to 3epodcast.com and pick up a free copy of Dr. Barry's gift. Then join us on the next episode.